Okay, good morning everyone, Shalom Aleichem. <coughs> We're here again with First Seder Bes Medrash, with our weekly share, the life and Torah of our leaders. And we'd like to also welcome our Torah Anytime listeners and viewers who will be participating, Bez Hashem, in this year as well. Today, we're going to talk about the Maral Miprag. Yesterday was Yudches Elul, was the Maral's 411th yard site, and we are going to talk about his life and his Torah today. Who is the Maral Miprag? His name was Rabbi Yehuda ben Harav Bitzalel, and the... He was born in the, in the year 1512, Reish Ayin Bez, in the city of Posen. City of Posen. His father was Harav Bitzalel ben Harav Chaim. Rab Chaim was originally, was from Worms, Vermeiza, he was from Worms. And this Rab Chaim had three sons. Rab Bitzalel, who was the Maral's father, Rab Yaakov, and Rab Helman was his third son's name. And they lived in Worms in Germany, and his sons, they wanted to learn Torah in Malchus, Poland. They wanted to go to Poland, to the uh, Polish kingdom, to learn Torah by the Marshal and other of the Goine Haaretz in Poland. So, so um, he gave them Rishus. He only gave Rishus to his second sons to Rabbi Yaakov and Rabbi Helman, to go learn by the Marshal. But his Bechor, Rabbi Tzalel, he wanted him to stay with him in Worms and be Mishamashim and help him out. When his two younger brothers came back from the Marshal's yeshiva, from learning in Malchus Pailin, so they were Mamish Moli Vigodish with Torah. They were filled with Torah. And Rabbi Tzalel was very upset, and he cried to his father. He said, I'm much smarter than them. I'm much sharper than them. Why is it that you didn't let me go and learn Torah by the Marshal. So, Reb Chaim gave him a bracha and told him that since you stayed and served me, Hashem should give you a bracha that you should have four luminaries come out from you. Dalit oires, Dalit ma'oires should come out from you. And that's Taka, his bracha was Mekuyim, and he had four sons, this Reb the oldest son was Reb Chaim, who became a Rav in Friedberg. He wrote a Sefer, which is Ha'aris and the Ramaz, one of the Ramaz for him, Teres Chatos. It's considered a Bar Plugta, one who is right to argue with the Ramah. Um, the Maral himself brings his oldest brother in Parshas Yisra. He brings a Vart from him in Gur Aryeh Ala Taira. The second son was Reb Sinai, who eventually was a Rosh Hashiva in Prague. The Maral brings him in Parshas Masse by the Ore Miklat. He was later a Rav in, in Nicholsburg. The third son was Reb Shimshin. He was a Rav in a place called Kremnitz. And the youngest son was Reb Yehuda. Reb Yehuda, who is our Maral Miprag. Reb Yehuda Liva, as they used to call him. Lamed Yud Vav Vav Aleph. Or L-I-V-O, they spell it, something like that. And it's the German version of lion, of Leib. Since Yehuda is, like, is a Leib, is a lion, so therefore his nickname was Yehuda Liva, they used to call him, Livo. 
And in fact, on his matseva, I don't know if you saw the pictures that were posted on his matseva at the top, there's a big lion there because that's how he was known. Um, the marshal would was in a letter, as we'll see later in a tshuva, talks very much about the shvach of this family, the, the Maral and his brothers, he talks a lot about the Maral, but about the entire family, he was, he's Marbe B'Shvachan, what a chash of a family um, this is. And as we see, this is coming from a bracha from the grandfather, Rav Chaim from Vermaiza. Now, he was called Yehuda, he was named after his great-grandfather, Rav Yehuda Livoy Hazokein. He was the older Rav Yehuda Livoy. It's written on his Matseva that he was a Chacham Harazim, very smart, Oiker Harim Varazim. He was able to uproot mountains and cedar trees in, in learning. He was a Baki Bashas, a Talmud, There's no one found like him in the entire world. Becharifus, in sharpness, Uvikius, Uvizikarain. And it says, and his yichus goes all the way back to David HaMelech. So that is the one that he was named after. He was named after this, uh, this grandfather. Now, um, the grandfather was Nifter, Rabbi Yehuda Levoy was Nifter in 1450, I think it was. Now, we don't know who the, ra- the Rabbeim of the Maral are. He writes a few times in his Svarim, Shamati b'Kabbalah miraboisai that I got this Kabbalah, I heard this from my Rabbeim, but it's not clear who his Rabbeim were. As we'll see in a moment, it's possible that he went and actually learned by the Marshal for a little bit, but again, it's not very clear. We know his brothers learned by the Marshal, but it's possible, I mean his uncles, I'm sorry, learned by the Marshal. His father's brothers learned at the Marshal. It's possible that the Maral also did, but again, it's very not clear. He doesn't quote names of who his Rabbeim were. It seems he learned in his hometown for a while, and when he was at the age of 15, so um, he became engaged to a, wo- a girl, a woman named Peril, who was the daughter of a very rich man named Reb Shmuel ben Reb Yaakov. Shmuel, in nickname, is Shmelka. He was called Reich Shmelka, the rich Shmelka. Because he was very rich, he was very uh, well connected with the government. And his wife, and the daughter, Peril, the Maral's wife, her nickname, they used to say, Peril, Peril's a pearl. So they used to call her Marganisa de Lespa Tamya. She's a jewel that doesn't have any imperfections to it. That was her nickname. So the story goes as follows, and this story was related by his son-in-law, um, who said he heard it from the Maral himself, that when he was 15 years old, he got engaged to this wealthy, wealthy family. His father-in-law then sent him to learn in a place called Premishla or Premisla, um, where the Marshal was, to learn by the Marshal. So according to this version, he did at one time learn with the Marsh- uh, in the Marshal's yeshiva. Um, while he was away learning, engaged, so his father-in-law, Reb Shmelka, lost all of his money, became very poor. And a few years later, he sent a message to the Maral. He said, you're 18 years old, and it says, Ben Yudches I can't fulfill what I said I was going to give as a dowry, so you're free to go marry whoever you want, and because I don't want to stop you, you're 18 years old, Ben Yudches so the Maral sent him back and says like this, if the reason is you don't want 
your daughter to be stuck to me. Maybe she'll find another shidduch for someone who's not waiting for money. So listen, marry off your daughter first. And once she's married, I know the shidduch is broken. I'm, I don't want to break the shidduch. If it's for your daughter's good, you could break the shidduch. But you should do it. Um, he says, if not, if you're worried about me, I'm being mitzapel Yeshua Hashem. I'll wait to see the Yeshua of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So they waited. And the Kala Peril opened the store to sell some bread to Pasha bring in some money to her impoverished parents. And she sat like this for 10 years, waiting for her chasin, waiting for the Yeshua to come. Um, the Maral was sitting and learning for those 10 years. And he even got a name. He was called Reb Leib Bacher. Reb Leib, the older Bacher. He was because he was sitting around. He wasn't married. The Ramah actually wrote about him, Harimoisi Bacher Me'am. The, the Pasuk to talk about David HaMelech, Harimoisi Bacher Me'am. I've lifted up the Bacher from the nation. He said that's referring to the Maral, because the Maral was an older Bacher. One day, uh, some soldier came to the store of Peril, and he took his, uh, he took, uh, his uh, sword, or he took some type of spear, and he, and he grabbed onto a piece of bread. He poked it into a, a loaf of bread to take it. And she started begging him. She says, please, don't steal it from me. I push a need every penny. I have no money. My parents are starving. So he said, listen, I also haven't eaten for a few days. I'm starving. I don't have any money. And I push and need it. He says, but I have two saddles here. Or two saddle bags. And he says, I'll give you one. Either as, uh, one version says he gave it as payment. The other version says he gave it as a mashkin. If he doesn't come back in 24 hours. Lamaisa, she took it, and when it opened up, or it cracked open, it was full of golden, golden coins, and they became fabulously rich, rich again. So her father sent a message to the Maral, we have the money, now I could fulfill my obligation, and they got married. So the Maral's son-in-law says, he heard this from his father-in-law, in his father-in-law's Besden, and he said that the Maral would not want to ever take part in a dintaira about absolving a shidduch, of being mavatal a shidduch, He's because, if it's because of money, because they can't fulfill their monetary obligations, and the maral would work, work very hard not to be mavatal a shidduch, unless it was very, very important, it was necessary to be mavatal it. But just to, to, to break a shidduch, the maral over money, the maral worked very hard that it shouldn't happen, and even if it had to happen, he did not let the entire take place in his bezdin, he would send it off to one of the other dayanim in their houses, because this was a big thing by him, and, and he, I guess it was hit home personally, how he waited for so long, and the Yeshua Hashem, Taka came. So that was something the Maral son-in-law said, that a story about his own life that affected the way he dealt with things uh, later. In the year Shin Yud Gimel, in 1553, he became the Rav of Nicholsburg. We've talked about, we've talked about Nicholsburg numerous times already, and we last week with the Taisvis Yontif, we talked about the Maral being in Nicholsburg. He was there for 20 years, from 1553 to 1573. And um, once you, we mentioned this as well, once you're the Rav of Nicholsburg, you're the Rav of the entire Medinas Merin, or Moravia as they call it, um, he was, you become the chief rabbi of the whole country. He was there for 20 years. He wrote a book, a chibor, Koibitz Takonis Hakilois Bemerin. He made a lot of Takonis, and he has a, a, a notebook um, 
with uh, all the takanas for the entire kihilois for all of the communities in the country of Moravia. And as we mentioned last week, he saw two things that we, they were very lenient about or lax about in Nicholsburg, and that was talking during davening from Baruch Sha'amar until after Shmanesre when you're not allowed to talk. And he composed the Mishaberach, which later on we said became known as the Taisis Yontes Mishaberach. And the second thing is a mishaberach for people who are careful with stam yayin, goyesha wine. It's, we, I was in Nicholsburg a few years ago. There are a lot of vineyards there in the neighborhood, in that area of, um, uh, in that area of Moravia. And it was something that people were lax in. So instead of going with the negative, he had a positive mishaberach for those who are nizer in stam yayin. One of the things he fought very stark against in those 20 years was something, a German word called Nadler, Nadler, Nadler. And basically, it was a way of people, it was an uh, epithet, it was, a, uh, uh, it was a, a scorn that you called someone who you were saying that in their yichus there's some type of pegam, meaning to say maybe uh, um, there was an intermarriage, maybe someone's a mamzer, the yichus is not good, and people would cast aspersions on families, and that would um, affect their shaduchim prospects. And it was a major thing, it was a major thing. And um, he fought very much against it, so much so, it even it, it came back to bite him. Someone wanted to cast aspersions on the uh, Maral's own family, and that was the tshuva I was talking about from the marshal before, that the marshal in tshuva tes is mishabeach, the mishpacha, ba'arichos, to say it can't be such a thing, chas v'shalom, it can't be such a thing that um, the Maral's family, there was some type of pigam in the Maral's family. In 1573, he came to Prague, and it's interesting, um, at the 400th uh, yard site of the Maral, so it was a big, in Czech and Slovakia, it was like a big affair. They, they, even the Goyim, they prop up the Maral as this intellectual philosopher, and uh, in Prague, they made a major deal out of it. But Nicholsburg didn't want to be left out of it, he was 20 years in Nicholsburg. So outside the base Hakvaris of Nicholsburg, there's actually a plaque to the Maral saying in all different languages, in Hebrew, in, in Czech, in English, all the, the years that he was the Rav in Nicholsburg, and even though he's not buried there, he's buried in Prague, but they didn't want to be left out of the fact of the festivities, so to speak, for his 400th yard site, so they put up this big plaque there. They're very proud that he was the Rav for 20 years, chief rabbi of Moravia. So in 1573 he came to Prague, and he opened up what's called the Klois, Basically, it's a little chabura. He didn't want to call it a yeshiva. It was in one of the shuls. He called it a base vad lechachamim, a gathering place for chachamim. Why didn't he call it a yeshiva? Because in those days, especially in Prague and, and throughout Poland, there was a sheet of learning called pilpul. Pilpul basically is you ask a lot of questions and you build binyanim on those questions. Sometimes the questions aren't real questions. They're there just so you should become sharp and try to think of an answer and build a foundation, and on top of that, ask another question and bring a proof. It's, there's, there's this concept of learning called pilpul. And um, the morale and the, the source of this learning was someone named Rabbi Yaakov Pollock, Rabbi Yaakov Pollock, and his Talmud, Rabbi Shalom Shachno in Lublin, who was the Ramah's father-in-law, they all went with the shita of pilpul, and the morale fought very hard against that. He wasn't into that at all. He wasn't into just, you know, 
talking lumdus and being sharp, he held, first of all, it's a waste of time. Half the questions aren't questions. A lot of times the answers aren't true. A lot of times the whole the whole shtikl uh, teira is built on something very flimsy and it doesn't make sense. He felt it brought gaiva because people who could build the biggest pilpuls and have the longest pilpulim, they would be the chashiva ones. He had a lot and he was trying to bring learning back to what he would call the basics. You know, and um, so because of that, he didn't want to call it a yeshiva because that's what a yeshiva stood for. He was having a new type of chinuch and he also was very much methodical. You have to do like Chazal tell us, Ben Chamesh Lemikra, then you learn all Mishnah, after you finish all of Tanakh, then you go to Mishnayis, then you go to Gemara. So there's a method to everything and his Talmidim went with this also. There's a method to it. That's why he was so big into Mishnayis, like we said last week, because that's the foundation of Gemara. You know Mishnayis well, then you'll be able to learn Gemara well. And, and, but if you just jump to the Gemara, so then it's much harder. So he fought against it, and he had this base Val the Chachamim. At that time, he composed the Gur Aryeh, which is a Pirish and Rashi on Al that was in Shin Lamed Ches in 1578 in Prague. In Shim Membez, he printed Gurus Hashem, it was actually printed in Krakow anonymously, but everyone knew who it was. But he was in Prague at the time. And, um, and in Shin Mem Gimel in 1583, the Rav of Prague at the time was Nifter, and it was Pashtus going to be the one who's Roy to take over should be the Maral. But so the Maral actually said a drasha in the Altenoy Shul. The Altenoy Shul is the main Shul in Prague, um, which now is known for the Maral, but at that time it was just the main Shul of Prague. The Shul had been around for, for very long. Altenoy means that the old new Shul because there had originally been a real old shul. And then they built this shul called the new shul. When they built a newer shul, so the middle one was called the old new shul, Altenoy shul. Um, there's other reasons for the name as well, but that's like the simple simple understanding of the Altenoy shul. So he darshaned in the Altenoy shul, and he was very against the concept of, of Roshe HaKihila, of you had like these real rich people who ran the presidents of the whole uh, city, and they ran the, the community um, with, with an iron hand. So he, he the Maral stood up against them. Um, there were there were there were a lot of people who were Hasidim of Pilpul. They subscribed to Rabbi Yaakov Pollock and Pilpul. They were against the Maral becoming the Rav. So he had the the Rashiakil against him. He had a lot of people against him. And eventually his wife's stepbrother, Rebitzchok Chayos, or Rebitzchok Chiyos, became the Rav instead. He was a Pilpul man, he became the Rav. You might um you might know from the back of the Gemara, the Maratz Chayis, Reb Tzvihir Shchayis, whose grandfather was Reb Yitzchak, whose grandfather was this Reb Yitzchak. So as many dairies before, this Reb Yitzchak Chayis. So once he didn't become the Rav, so in 1584 he left Prague, and he went to, back to Pose into his hometown, and he was there for four years. Um, again, he was very busy with this Nudler thing, um, and in, in Shabbos Shuvah, in 1584, he actually darshaned against it, and he said that in Prague, they had made a cherim with the Talmid Chachamim of Prague, ten of them holding ten Sifrei Torah, for anyone who cast aspersions like this. And a lot of times, these were, most of the times, these were baseless aspersions on people's yichus, they had a cherim, they, they, they made a cherim against them. That's in the Shabbos Shuvah Drasha. So he was there for four years, and in Shimem Ches, in 1588, he went back to Prague. He went back to Prague, um, 
And at that time, he was trying to say we should get rid of the position called the Rosh HaKol. Um, and, but he still was not accepted as the Rav in Prague. In Shin Mem Tes, in 1589, while he was in Prague, again, he had his clothes, he has his, his quote-unquote yeshiva there, he printed his Sefer on Avaz Derechayim. In 1592, Sunday, Yom Rishon Gimel Adar, he was called to Rudolf II's palace. He was the German Caesar of the time, the German king, and he was called to him. And the Maral's Talmud writes, his Talmud, the Tzemach David, writes at the end of Chelek Aleph, he says that the king was Mechabal and Mesever upon him, Yafais. And he spoke to him, meaning he spoke to him face to face, like friends. And then he ends off and he says exactly what they talk about. Nobody knows. No one knows what they talked about, but the king wanted to speak to him and they talked to him for a long time. And we don't know exactly what the conversation was about. However, we do know that four months later in ER, uh, the Maharal left Prague again. He went back to Posen to be the Avbezdin there, to be the Rosh Hashiva there. And in fact, he was. it's brought down that he was Rav Al-Kol Galilois Pilin. He was Rav over all the areas of Poland. Um, now, while he was in Posen, who was the Rav in Prague? The Rav in Prague at the time was Remord Chayafa, who is known as the Levush, the Baal HaLevush. We spoke about the Levush last week. The Taisis Yontiv wrote Hasagas on the Levush. And he was the Rav of Prague while the Maral left and was the Rav in Posen. Um, a year later is when he put out his Sefer Nesiva Zaylam. And finally in the year 1597-1598, I, I saw two different dates, but in that neighborhood... The Maral finally returned to Prague to become the Avbezdin, the Rav, and the Rosh Hashiva. And what's interesting is the Lavush went to Posen to become the Rav and Rosh Hashiva. So they switched places. The, the, the Lavush was in Prague and the, and the Maral was in Posen, and they switched places. After two years, the Maral, um, the Maral gave up his position of being Rosh Hashiva. So the question was, who's going to be Rosh Hashiva now in Prague? So he had a son, one son the Maral had, Rabbi Tzalel. Brilliant son, Talmud Chacham. He was a Goin Mufla. However, some type of kina, some type of jealousy caused that the Oilam didn't want him. The city did not want him as the Rosh Hashiva. And instead, who did they take? They took the Kliyakar. The Kliyakar was one of the great Talmidim of the Maral, as we'll talk about soon, from the Talmidim of the Maral. And you see the Kliyakar in a Sefer, Ir Gibayrim. Um, in a few places, you see clearly he goes with the the methodology of the um, of of learning of the maral, and they took him as the Rosh Hashiva while the maral his Rebbe was still alive. Rebbe Tzalel left. He was very upset. He left. He went to sleep, uh, a place called Kellen. He made a yeshiva there, and he was nifter in the year sixteen hundred while his father the maral was still alive. And it's written on his matseva that the year is which year is it? It's the year of Harav B'Tzalel. Because Harav B'Tzalel, Shehu Misper Shin Samach, if you take the gematria of Harav B'Tzalel, it's 360, and that was the year that he was Nifter, Shin Samach, 5,360. Um, in the years, Shin Nun Ches to Shin Samach, which is uh, 1598 to 1600, the Maral put out his Samadis Svarim, Baragayla, Netzach Yisrael, Or Chadash, Ner Mitzvah, Tiferes Yisrael, 
1604, he gave up the Rabbanus in Prague. He was too old. He felt he can't do it. And now the Kliyakar became the full the Rav, as well as being um, the Rosh Hashiva. Um, I gave a, a shear on the Kliyakar um, before I started this series, which was actually the impetus for this series, because Raburi heard that shear and he thought we could model a shear after that, a series after that. And I talk about over there the Kliyakar having three jobs in Prague, the Rav, the Rashiva, and the Darshan, and how hard it was for him. Um, and my, my website, RabbiDavidEgros.com, you could find that shear on the page. I put it on the same page as this series of the life and Torah of our leaders. Um, so that was in 1604, and on Yulches Elul, Shin Samachtes, 1609, he was Nifter, the Maral, um, and um, he was Nifter, and um, he was buried in Prague, and his wife was buried right next to him about three and a half years later, and they have one shared Matseva, one big Matseva, on the right side is his rabbits in peril, on his left side is the Maral himself. The Talmidim of the Maral, who are the Talmidim? The famous, there are some many famous Talmidim. The Kliyokar, as we just mentioned. The Taisis Yantiv, as we spoke about last week. The Shlah HaKadosh was a Talmid. The Shlah's brother, in his Sefer, is Mazir. He, he tells people, he's, he, he warns, that you have to learn Mikra, you have to learn Chumash. Alpim Ereinu V'Rabbeinu Hagoyin Marana Rabbona Yehuda HaNikra Rebleib Miprag. This is what we mentioned before. He writes the Shlaz brother that the Maral was very upset at the normal way of learning that's going on in our times. There's no order to it. And he says you should make sure to, to, to think about it. And again, that was the Maral. It was very methodical. Chazal have a methodical way of teaching. There's a foundation. There's Mikra. Then there's Mishnayis. Then there's Gemara. There's ages for them. You build it up. When things are not in a Seder, so things get very mixed up. And that's what the Maral Shita was. And his Talmidim all went with the Shita as well. The Maral was known as a Paisik and as a Baruch HaKadosh as well. His grandson in a tshuva, in that's printed, it's Shuma in Chuvas Chacham Tzvi. He's writing to the Chacham Tzvi, Shailen Hilchas Trefus, and the tshuva of the grandson of the Maral, the, the letter to the Chacham Tzvi is there, and he writes, "Ovi Zikaini, my my grandfather, Asher Shimeish Beruach Hakodesh, Kimefursam, who his life was 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 he used Ruach Hakodesh Kimefursam, like it's well known, Asher Bevade LeYotza Takolam Itachas Yodai. For sure, he didn't make a mistake, especially in Yoni Achila. The, the, there was a shaila of a, a chicken without a without a heart or an animal. I remember if it was a chicken or an animal that didn't have a heart. And there's such a thing, Shaykh, and if it's a trafe or not, they can't find the heart. And the Maral says it's impossibility. It must have gotten lost. It's impossibility. And uh, the grandson is saying that especially in food-related inyanim, he probably means because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not maybe takala litzadikim, Hashem doesn't bring mishaps to tzadikim, Taisva says that's referring to food-related things. It's interesting. That means usually the person, the tzadik, eating something, usher. doesn't usually mean about a psak. But here he's saying, Uprat bin Yani Achila, but he writes, he was Shimesh Beruach HaKadosh Kimeforsam. One of the Maral's is well known is that he fought against blood libels, and, 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 and that was going on a lot in his times. That's where the, this, uh, there's a Shmua, a legend about the Gailam that he made. If he made a Gailam, didn't make a Gailam, that is um, 
That is something that's up to debate in history. Could he have made a Gailam? Everybody agrees he could have made a Gailam. In one place, I think he writes, it's not such a big deal to make a Gailam. But it doesn't mean he actually did. The Buchacher, the Eishel Avram Mibuchach, in his Sefer Birchus Avram, he writes that I heard that the Gur Arye also Gailam. I heard the Gur Arye uh, made a Gailam. Now, I saw a Sefer bring this down and say that it has to be he made a Gailam because the Buchacher said it. But if you look up the Buchacher, it doesn't say that. It says, I heard that he made a Gailam. So, it doesn't say, I know Bivadai. Um, the Bnei Yisoscher writes... Um, that the morale it's Yadua that his words were said and he writes it's Yadua that he used Sefer Yitzira that's a Sefer where one would if you know what you're doing to be able to make something called a, uh, a Goylem now there's an interesting story there's a, there's a Sefer called Sefer HaYuchsen that's written by the morale's grandson where he writes the yichus of the family, and there's a lot of the, a lot of what I said today co- is gleaned from there or comes from there. And there's ha'aris on the sefer ayuchsin. The ha'aris are from someone else, and in the ha'aris of sefer ayuchsin it says, whoever wrote that, that I heard from the mouth of Rabbi Yosef Shaul Milemberg. That's the Rabbi Yosef Shaul Natanzin, the Shailameshiv. I heard from him, he was Nifter in the mid-1800s, late-1800s, that one time, he was, one time he was in Prague, and he wanted to go up to the attic where the Goylem is. And when he came to the ladder to go up to the attic, so there was an old Shamish there who told him that when the Noida Yehuda, who was in the 1700s, once wanted to see the Goylem, he fasted that day, he went to the mikveh, he put on his towels and tefillin, and after that he went up. And when he came down, he said, nobody else should ever go up there again. So when Rabbi Yosef Shal heard this, he didn't go up. So again, this seems to be, uh, someone heard it from Rabbi Yosef Shal himself. Um, as we said last week, that um, one of the G'daylim said, that if the Maral made a Gailam, we don't know. But the, the fact that he produced a Talmud, like the Taisis Yantiv, is a bigger kunz than making, than making a Gailam. So that's, you know, I'll leave that out to the legends if, uh, if, if, um, if there was a Gailam or not. What were his Svarim? His Svarim, many Svarim, we'll go through them very quickly. Um, the Gur Arye and Rashi, Gvura Sashem and Yetzias Mitzrayim, Derech Achaim and Abbas, Tifais Yisrael Amat and Taira, Bera Gaila and Mamori Chazal, Nesiv Asylum and Yira and Musser, Netzach Yisrael and Galus and Geula, Or Chadash and Megillus Esther, Ner Mitzvah in Yoni Chanukah, he had Ha'aris on Tor Yeridea, he had Chidushim on Shas. He also, it's well known that he made almost like a Gemara on Zeroim and Taharis. Like a Gemara in the middle, like the Halachas. And then on the side he had a Pirush Pashut, like Rashi. On the other side he had a Pirush Charif, a sharp Pirush like Taisvis. Um, unfortunately, a lot of his Kisve Yad were burned in a fire. Um... I, I'm not sure if the fire was in his days or in his or in his descendants' days, but a lot of his 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 ksavim were burnt in a fire and lost. And that sefer that he wrote, like a gemara on Zeroim and Taharis, was lost in a fire. Um, so the the rav of the, the rav of of Prague would daven in the Altenay Shul, and when he finally became the rav in 1597 is when he finally established himself in the Altenay Shul. His chair is still there; it's a big chair built into the uh, front, the mizrachvant in in the Altenay Shul. Um, 
However, um, you can't sit there. There's a chain there. You shouldn't sit there. But um, even the Knight of Yehuda, who was, um, I guess, was like 150 years later after him, the Rav of Prague, refused to sit in the Maral's chair. Even though this is the Rav's seat, um, it's the Rav's seat, but Lemais, it's the Maral's seat also. And uh, the Knight of Yehuda refused to, uh, to sit there. I saw somewhere that said Rabarla Belzer was once there, I guess before the war, and he saw it was covered in a sheet, and he told them to take off the sheet, and he sat down in the chair. But it's Yadua the Naid Behuda when he was the Rav of Prague, refused to sit in the, in the chair. Now, an interesting thing also, on the wall of the Altanai Shul, there's a, a framed picture, a framed thing of Takanas Haka of the Shul, rules of the Shul, or different rules of who gets aliyahs, who doesn't, when you turn on this, 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 uh, this menorah, this light, when you don't have it on, Yamin Taivim, the Shul, in the rest of the city can't start Kia Shaifer or Miguel Azester until the main shoal starts. But these are takanas from the Maral and from the Naida Behuda. But the first takana from the Maral, the tap takana is Shaloi Lidaber from Baruch Shamar Atzaifatzvila. If you remember in Nicholsburg, he made a Mishaberach for the people not to talk then. Here there was a takana not to talk from Baruch Shamar to after Shmanesrei. Again, that's a place you're not allowed to talk. Al pi halach. It's not a chumrah. You're not allowed to talk from Baruch Shomar until after Shman Esrei. But it seems that it was something that was not, that was lax by people, and he made a mishaberach in Nicholsburg. I don't know if he made, a mish, made, made the mishaberach in Prague. It doesn't seem that he did, but it was a takana that he made in the shul. The first rule is no talking from Baruch Shomar till after, uh, to after uh, Shman Esrei. The Maral's Torah served his way of thinking and his philosophical way, Lamdish way. It served as the basis for many of the Torah's Hasidus. Many of the Hasidish Torah um, and Rabbis found their source in the Maral, Chabad, Pshischa, Kotsk, many more. Rabbi Simchabudim from Pshischa used to say that every person has to have a Rebbe in Olam HaTachten in this world, and a Rebbe in the Olam HaElyon. And as Talmidim said, they understood from him that his Rebbe in the Olam HaElyon was the Maral. Could be the Kutzker said the same thing, the same thing as well. The Bali Musar also, it's clear the Hashbab, the Maral, especially in Teres Kelm, also you could see, in Shitas Kelm, you could see a lot um, of the Maral there as well. Um, I just want to end off with uh, two Divrei Torah from the Maral. Both of them on the Inyan of... I'm sorry, bo, not both of them. The first one is from his Chidushi Agadis in Mesech Saita. And it's Nagat to, uh, not this week's parsha, a few weeks ago, parsha Shaiftim, the parsha of Egla Rufa, that the Zekenim, if they found someone who's murdered, so the Zekenim of the closest city say that Yodeinu Leishavchu Es Adam Hazeh, we didn't spill this blood. So we all know the famous Chazal, Rashi brings it down, the Gemara says that, of course, they didn't kill him. It means we didn't let him go without accompanying him and giving him some food. And the question is, so if you would give him a sandwich and you would accompany him, how, how much do you have to walk? Dalit Amis? That's all you have to walk for Levaya. So they walk him Dalit Amis, so, so why would it be that he wouldn't be murdered? Why, 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 uh, why is that? Why would that protect him? So the Maral says something beautiful, and he says that a person is much more powerful when he's part of a Rabbin. When a person is an individual, when he's separate and he's an individual, he only has so much power, and things could, could affect him, and things could hurt him. But when a person is part of a Rabbin, 
He's part of a tzibur, he's part of a community, a congregation. He has the whole power of that community with him, and therefore it's much harder to do anything to that person. So how would he have become part of the community? So says the Maral, if they would have been malavahim, if they would have accompanied him, Again, they can't. He says, They can't go the whole way with him. But if they would accompany him, then they would show that he's one of us. And he says, Once he's connected to the community, says the Maral, Even the Malachim are going to accompany him. Once you're part of a Tzibur, part of a Rabbim, you don't only get the Rabbim itself, you get the Malachim, you get the Rabbi Nishan's protection as well. And therefore, if they would have been malava him properly, or they're saying it wasn't our fault because we did, we did give him that protection. Something else must have happened over here. That's the power of being part of a tzibur, and that's an important lesson as we approach Yamim Nairoim as well. That an individual, how is he able to come to din in front of Hashem? But when you're part of a rabbim, part of a tzibur, you have the whole power of the tzibur. That's the morale in Chidushi Agodis on Saita. And in Gur Aryeh, he says something also that I mentioned in Adrasha, Parshas Matas Masse in our shul, I think is very apropos to our times, where he says over there that, um, that um, we know that there were three Ari Miklat in Eretz Yisrael proper and three in Abraham And the question that Chazal asks is that there were nine Shvatim in Eretz Yisrael proper and only two and a half Shvatim in Abraham So either there's too few or too many are a miklat. How could you have equal three and three? So the Gemara answers and Rashi quotes it, that in Gilad, in Eber Hayardin, there's many murderers. So even though there's less Shvatim, but since there's many murderers, so then you need more are miklat. And the question that everyone asks is that Ir Miklat is not for murderers who killed on purpose. Ir Miklat is for people who kill by mistake. So the fact that there's more murderers in Gilad doesn't necessitate that you need more Ari Miklat. This is the shtickle, by the way, that he quotes his brother, Merener Arab Sinai Mi Prague, He quotes his brother who says the Teretz, the Maral doesn't like the Teretz. So the Maral seems to say like this, and he says that when there are many murderers in a place, so then the entire value of a person, the entire value of life is diminished. Because you just get used to it. You get used to people dying. You get used to murders. And the value of life by everyone is diminished. If the value of life is lowered and diminished by everyone, that could cause a person to be careless and kill Bishaygeg. Why did he kill Bishaygeg? He made a mistake. He was careless. If life would be valuable, you'd make sure you're so careful that no one gets killed when you're chopping wood or whatever you're doing. The only reason why you're able to be careless and make a mistake and kill someone is because the value of life is not so serious. Why? Because there's a lot of murders going on. So Vigila Nefishi writes him, in Gilad there were many murders because of course they don't go to the Er Miklat. But because of that the value of life, life was lowered and that caused that there were many more murders Bishoigeg as well that necessitated a person running to the Er Miklat. And that is a very important lesson to remember that when you're in a society that things are going awry and things are not so normal and, or, and they become normal, we have to realize even we get affected by that. And we have to be mechazek. We have to be mechazek that 
that uh, what it means, a life, what it means that a life matters. What's a life by Klai Yisrael? What's a person? Don't think that if we live here and we're not affected by what's going on. Of course, Chas V'Shalom will never become on the level of the world around us. That's how we have a Torah and mitzvahs. But we do get affected. That's what the Maharal is saying. If it's in Gilad Nefishi Reitzchim, there's going to be a lot of um, murders B'Shoigig as well. And therefore we have to mechazek ourselves and remind us and be extra careful about what it means, the life of a Yid, the life of any person, but especially the life of a Yid. And Bez Hashem, that's the Maral's Teretz. And Bez Hashem, we should take to heart the Maral's words, the value of what life is, the value of every Yid in Kla Yisrael. And Bezchus, the Maral, whose yard said was yesterday, we should talk about to Yeshuais and Nechamais in Kla Yisrael. Cult of Zaygazunt, everyone. Hello? Um, yes, why, why, it's an excellent question. I don't have a good answer. It's not it's not the um it's it's